right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Shades of Strong, the podcast created for strong Black women by strong Black women. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Natty. Hey. Hey, Natty. And today, on today's show, we are examining the differences or the lack thereof, depending on which side of the table you're sitting on, and being a Black woman who is strong and being a strong Black woman. And of course, we want your want to hear your view on our subject matter today. So while you're listening, tweet us, share your thoughts on, on all social media platform platforms at Shades of Strong. But before we dive into the juiciness that is today's topic, I want to introduce you to our two amazingly awesome guest co-hosts. Today we have Daithia and we also have Jasmine joining us who are both strong advocates for mental health. So Daithia is a mental health professional. She's also a minister. And Jasmine is a mental health advocate. And she's also the creator of the Safe Place app. So welcome, ladies. How are you all? Hi, thank hey. you for having us. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy to have you guys on. I want to give you guys an opportunity before we dive into this, this subject matter to tell us a little bit about what you do why you do it, and what sets your soul on fire. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. This is Daithia. I'll give Jasmine a break. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I am a minister. I'm also a mental health advocate and a mental health counselor. And I'm also a life coach. And I also do a podcast called She's About Business. So what sets my soul on fire is helping other women live their very best lives. And I think that the whole mental health piece ties in, you know, so strongly with that, because if we can't, you know, take care of our mental health, then nothing else really matters. So I'm really in love with this topic and I cannot wait to get into it. Absolutely. It's going to be so juicy. All right, Jasmine. OK, so, yes, my name is Jasmine Pierre. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm the creator of the Safe Place app, which is a minority mental health app for the Black community that's free on Android and iPhone. I'm also a peer support specialist, which is I am a person with lived experiences with mental health issues. So I'm just a peer to others who have mental health issues. And what sets my soul on fire is getting the word out about mental health issues in my community and to let us all know that we don't always have to be strong and we don't always have to pray away everything. Oh, yes, girl. And if you guys are not following Jasmine or are following the Safe Place app, I think it's the Safe Place all across all social media platforms. Right, Jasmine? Uh, it's the it's the safe place on Facebook, but on Instagram and Twitter, it's it's the safe place. I T S the okay. safe place. Yes. Okay. So definitely check that out. I have the app downloaded on my phone. It's a great resource for anybody who is looking for a therapist or just want to read up on mental health issues. So definitely check it out when you get a chance. All right. So let's dive in. So just from your own personal opinion and experience, ladies, do you think there is a difference between being a strong black woman and being a woman, being a woman who is, how did I say that? A woman who is strong. You know, black a woman, black who, woman is who is strong. There you go. <laughs> do you yeah. guys think there's a difference? Absolutely. Yes. Well, one is like a trope. One is, is this trope that we, we've talked about for the last few weeks about how society sees us and defines us. And it's a very limiting and also an, in a lot of ways, a very demeaning trope. It's like, oh, you're the yes. strong black woman. Therefore, you're going to take everything from everybody. You're going to tolerate everything. Mm-hmm. From 
you're going to be everybody's mule. You're not allowed to have feelings. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. You're not allowed to feel hurt or sad or cry ever. And if anything bad happens to you, you know, what's the big deal? Like you've got a strong back, you can take it, that kind of thing. That's the trope. And that's definitely what we've been living under for a very long time. And that's completely different from being a black woman who happens to be strong, who happens to be resilient and who can face one's circumstances or trials head on and if need be, break down and then get back up and keep going. Yes. That's the difference. To yeah. Me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that the strong black woman is like a myth, you know, and I think more importantly is a dangerous stereotype that, you know, kind of like she says, it it basically says you can put all your worries on me, all of your abuse, your mistreatment, your drama, because I can take it because I'm a strong black woman. Whereas being a strong woman who just happens to be black is a reality, you know, and it takes into consideration my heritage, my life experiences, my values. And it says, hey, because of these things, I've developed fortitude and perseverance. But, you know, also because of these things, I refuse to put up with your abuse and your mistreatment and your drama, you know, (laughs) those two different things. And it says, you know, I could put up with it, but I'm I'm strong enough to say no. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, so it's two totally different things. And I think that being a true strong woman, a strong black woman is a black woman who is allowed to feel. Because it's it's like they feel like we're not allowed to feel anything. Like we just have to be superwoman all the time. Mm -hmm. And we have to take on everybody else's emotions, but we can't even have time to, you know, take care of ourselves. And that's breaking down so many black women in our community by not allowing us to feel and to take care of ourselves that we just have to take care of everybody else because you can't keep pouring into everybody else and you're empty right. all the right. time. Right. I agree with that 100%. Well, I kind of have like a, a different perspective on that. And I guess because for me, I do define myself as a strong Black woman because I, for me, when I when I think about being a, a woman who happens to be Black and who happens to be strong, I feel like if I have to choose between that, then that's me kind of saying that I'm at odds with being strong or being black or being woman where I think that I'm innately all three of them but I think it goes back to the point where it's a myth and I think that the reason why so many of us frown upon those three words is because of the pressure that society and religion and other cultures have placed upon us. Now I do want to be abundantly clear that I do not subscribe to that whole superwoman cape S on your on your chest thing. Like I am quite comfortable in expressing my vulnerabilities. I am comfortable with taking a break for lot from life. I'm a, I'm comfortable with being human. So for me, for me, I just kind of feel like it's one and the same, but we have to be bold enough to say what we're going to accept and what we're not going to accept. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, what we were saying before, I guess it was a couple of episodes ago about we are the ones that get to define ourselves instead of allowing everyone else to keep defining us for us, which is what has been going on for a very, very long time. And, and one, one specific reason why I invited Jasmine on was because I saw a post that, that she posted and I don't remember exactly how it read, but I do recall it saying, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jasmine, but I do recall it saying, I don't want to be strong anymore or something to that effect. And I understood what you were saying because of the pressures that society and religion and everybody around us put on us. Jasmine, just from your perspective, 
what could we do differently to, I guess, kind of merge the two together, for lack of a better term? I think we could do a better job of letting Black women know that being strong doesn't mean that you have to neglect yourself. Because, like, I feel like ever since I was, you know, in my earlier teens and everything like that, that was like the definition I've seen of a strong Black woman. Like, they just neglect themselves. If somebody hurts them, they just have to forgive them and, you know, just Mm -hmm. neglect their feelings. And I'm just like, at a certain point in time, I was like, I don't even want to be strong anymore. If this what it means to be a strong Black woman, if it means I have to neglect myself, if it means I have to keep taking all this BS from other people, then no, I don't want to be strong. And I think that's why a lot of a lot why you see a lot of that a lot of people are renouncing. Like I don't I don't want to be this this strong black woman. Be, you know, but my goal in this entire movement is to take those three words back because there is so much negativity and darkness that comes along with it. Like I just feel like the world deserves to see or to hear voices that are proud to be strong black women. Well, I think part of that is you know going back to what Jasmine the whole thing about well, we have to neglect our own feelings. That that really resonates very strongly with me because we've talked about it before, like things that we watched our moms do or things that we watched our, our grandmothers do, um, maybe how they could be upset or something could happen and it could upset them or it could even traumatize them and they had to just stuff it all down. They just had to stuff it all down and act like everything was fine. And I grew up being that way. Yeah. Like I have to just stuff it all down and pretend I'm good, you know? And so then that's where you get everyone going, coming back at you with, oh, you're so strong. And I'm like, that's, that's the, that's not the, def- that's not even like, I feel like the textbook definition of strength. <laughs> that's how, how is that strong when right. you're not even able to express how you're really feeling and you're waiting and, and you're letting things pile up on top of you until you're like this this powder keg about to blow to blow up and then you finally blow up and then nobody's calling you strong anymore they're calling you crazy right so right and i'm sorry what were you saying shirley i was just saying and weak you, they don't call you oh, strong right. after that because they call because you, you dare to fall apart now yeah. now you're weak and and so yeah i can exactly. like, i can understand you know why strong black woman gets some, some backlash so i totally get that and not only that, Shirley, but for me, I think that, you know, currently I'm working on an anthology. And for my chapter, I have to discuss how I, as an African-American woman in America, can impact women all around the world. So when you when I think about being a strong woman who just happens to be black, then that doesn't exclude my sisters who you know are strong women who just happen to be Latina. You know what I mean? And, and, and that also lets them know, hey, as strong women, I'm no better than you because I'm strong and I'm black, you know? Right. And then also to go into, you know, what Jasmine said, like growing up, I remember looking at the women in my family and seeing them take things, seeing them, you know, take infidelity and oh, yes. abuse. And I can remember being 10 and looking at my aunt, find out that her husband was being unfaithful and not say a word. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be like that. But all of the family were saying, oh, wow, she's so strong. In my mind, as a 10-year-old girl, I'm like, that's not strong. At you know? all. That's not strong. But that's like also. Silent. That's just being silenced. 
Right. But it's, yeah. it's, it's this weird thing because like um, Jasmine was saying too, like I grew up thinking that strength means that I forgive people who hurt me because that's what I saw. And I'm still facing the implications of that in my life. So I think that for me, it's just so important for me to separate that and say, hey, listen, you are a strong woman. You just happen to be black, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's so many. We can even talk about like going back slavery, you know, and how the black woman was forced to watch her husband be sold and her children be sold. And then she's told you can take it because you're strong. So I, I just think it's so deep and we can, you know, kind of go, go all day talking about this. But I honestly just feel that the world has said, let's just put everything on these black women because they can take it. And I honestly just feel like we, we have to stop that. And I think we're doing a great job just by discussing it and bringing these things to the forefront and also letting our sisters around the world know that we see them too and we see their strength and we see their abuse that they take. You know, we see you Latinas and we see you, you know, our sisters in India who, you know, can't even speak up and, and say what they're thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that yeah. it's just such a big picture of it as a strong woman. And I, to me, that just has so much more impact. I also think that this whole strong black woman stereotype has like even kind of gone into the medical field because yes. if you look yes. at the death rate for yeah. childbirth for black women, we have the, the highest yes. death rate for childbirth. Yeah. I mean, you, you you saw what happened to Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. She told yeah. them like something was wrong mm-hmm. with her and they wasn't going to listen. And she almost died because yeah. they just said, no, she doesn't need any medication. She doesn't need this. She doesn't need that. And I feel like one of the reasons why our birth, I mean, our death rate is so high during childbirth is because these doctors are looking at black women and like, oh, well, they're supposed to be strong. They don't need yeah, this medication. Right. They don't need yeah. this. They don't need that. It's Absolutely. really killing yeah. us. It's Absolutely. Real. And and it's, and you talk about Serena, but also when we think about the cons of this whole stereotype, I think about Sandra Bland. Yeah. You know, yeah. you think about yeah. you know, the, those people who are ignorant and who lack understanding when they see a black woman who is outspoken like she was and she's intelligent and they're going to treat you like you're an oak tree and they're going to throw you around and they're going to beat you up instead of treating you like a, a soft rose. Just mm-hmm. because I'm a black woman and I'm intelligent and I don't mind speaking my mind doesn't mean that you can, you know, toss me around like I'm a man or right. manhandle me or right. not give me medical attention, you know? So, ugh. Just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> I'm glad y'all brought that up because I did want to kind of touch on, and I know a lot of times we, we say that it's not our responsibility to educate, that people need to do their own research. But what do you think that we can do collectively to educate those on the outside looking in on how to treat us and how, how to respect the fact that being strong doesn't mean getting kicked around? Right. We, we have to speak up. I had a, a experience recently where I was working with um, a white, you know, white man who was helping me with marketing and things like that. And I was in a meeting one day and I couldn't respond to his text message. You mm-hmm. know, and he sent me this long text message and he said something to the effect of it's very unprofessional for you to not respond to me. And it's very aggressive. And, you know, you're ignoring me. And I'm like, wow. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at this message and I said, OK, you have two choices. You can respond angry, out of anger mm-hmm. or you can ed- you can educate this man. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, when I finished with him, he apologized to me. And my whole thing was I was in a meeting, but because I'm a black woman and I could tell by the tone of the of the message 
you assumed that mm-hmm. I'm ignoring you because I had told you previously that I didn't agree with what you were saying. If I were a white woman, would you have responded the same way? Why do you just assume that I'm being aggressive when I'm actually taking care of business? You know, and I, I was very articulate and I explained it to him and he apologized to me. So I think that we have to speak up, but we have to speak up, not in anger. We have to speak up, you know, and show them, you know, the, the truth. And say, hey, listen, I understand that you've had X, Y, Z experiences and I understand you have these stereotypes in your head. But let me explain to you exactly what's going on. And sometimes it can feel like, why should I have to do that? But I I, I realized in that moment that I had an opportunity to make a difference in how he may treat the next black woman that he's working with. So, yeah, I think we have to speak up and we have to do it each and every time, even if we don't feel like it, you know? (laughs) I think speaking up is really is is paramount because a lot of us aren't used to speaking up at all. Um, Mm -hmm. It's taken me Mm -hmm. about four going on five years to really get used to speaking up the way that I do now. And I'm still not great at it, but I definitely do speak up more (laughs) than I did before. Yeah, and we'll walk away from the situation right. and, and say, you know what, I'm not even going to bother with it. Right. But then we're leaving them with that impression of us. And so that stereotype just continues so to be true. perpetuated. Yep. Exactly. Yes. And that's yes. what I was going to say, that, that, that it's important to speak up in that moment. Yes. When you don't speak up in that moment, then you leave them the impression that exactly she is aggressive and then they walk away continuing to buy into those stereotypes yep well they think that you're a pushover too right exactly like i'm just i just turned 30 in november and i'm just now getting used to like being able to speak up for myself because for like Mm -hmm. the longest time i wasn't able to do that because i just felt like you know i don't need to be confrontational i Mm -hmm. i I can just take this and I can take that. But I just feel like the older I get, it's just like the less, the less I care. put up with now. Yeah. Yeah. The less you be caring yeah. about other really people's care. feelings and stuff. You start caring more yeah. about your exactly. own. And you're very fortunate <laughs> and wise, Jasmine, to be learning to do this now at the age of 30. Yeah, I didn't start absolutely. learning to do it until I would turn 40. So I had a yeah. long time where I was not speaking up. And and just and just <laughs> stepping things down and just walking away. Yeah. And a lot... Uh, but don't you guys... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. No, I, um, just gonna... I felt like there were a lot of times where I was also listening to other people, like I was taking mm-hmm. other people's so-called advice about, hey, you know, don't rock the boat, or oh, well, that person yeah. didn't really mean it like that, and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And I was always trusting other people instead of trusting my own gut and my own feelings about what I felt on, you know, in a particular moment on a situation. So I would always just take someone else's word for what was really going on and never speak up. And that's really, really detrimental to us as to our emotional and mental health. Right. Yes. And sometimes it's like we have to find a good balance because sometimes we will not speak up for fear of being stereotyped, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. as that angry black woman. Mm-hmm. But then I have I have some some women that I that I mentor and they go to the other extreme and they're always confrontational and they're, and I was talking to one of them the other day and I said, you know, you don't always have to fight. And she said, fighting, fighting is all that I know, you know, but along with that comes the bipolar, you know, diagnosis and some of the mental health struggles because Mm -hmm. you're constantly in this, in this place where there's no back down. You got to fight for what you want. You got to, and I mean, nobody can maintain that. Right. No, you know, and a, a lot of the women that I work with, 
you know, they can't maintain jobs. They can't hold down um, careers because they're always angry. But their diagnosis, usually I'm seeing the same type of thing, you know, bipolar, anxiety disorders. But they have this thing where ain't nobody going to push me around. And you know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. I think that it has to be a, a middle ground and you have to it have does. balance. You know, Absolutely. you can't be a pushover because you don't want to be stereotyped, but then you can't feed into the stereotype because you don't want to be weak. And I think that that's where it comes to the point where you can say, listen, I am a strong woman, you know, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with me being black necessarily. I'm just right. a strong woman who's lived this life and, and this is what this means. Yeah. I think a middle ground, I, I, I so agree with what you said. A middle ground is so important because I feel like this strong black woman stereotype has affected us so much mm. to where it's like either you don't want to say anything at all and you don't want to speak up for yourself or you're like just like some of the uh, women that you just talked about where you're not going to take anything from anybody right. anymore and they're just going right. to lash out at everybody. It has yeah. to be a middle ground. Yeah, absolutely. Because everything doesn't have to be a fight. You can, you right. can stand up for yourself and not get into some huge altercation mm-hmm. doing that. There's a, there's a right way to do it. Even if that means let me walk away for a moment, reassess the situation and come back when I can properly communicate how I am feeling. Everything does not have to be a fight. Yes. I think part of the, the getting to where it doesn't always feel like a like it has to be a fight for a lot of us mm-hmm. is community. Like if we have uh-huh. more of these kinds of conversations with each other, if we know that we're mm-hmm. around each other and we support each other and we're able to be sounding boards for each other and we're able to right. lift each other up right. and really listen to each other, that whole um, extreme fight or flight response, I feel like it would go down a lot. Because we're yeah. having other women around us, other Black women that have had similar experiences, or Black women who are older than us, or Black women who are younger and having different types of experiences than us, and they're all mm-hmm. able to speak into our situation at, at that given moment and say, oh, yeah, I've been through that before. Here's what, here's what happened, and here's how it turned out. Or I feel, I understand how you're feeling because I felt the same way, and this is what happened. But I think part of it is right. a lot of it, we we feel I know and I'm just speaking for myself a lot of times I feel isolated like because I'm in a very small town I don't really know a whole lot of people and I don't have a bunch of um what I would call friends here I have some there are like there's like one person one or two people that I would hang out with if you know I'd go to lunch with them or whatever but I haven't been here this that long it's only been um it's coming up on five years uh this summer and so it's like the relationships that I used to have, those relationships had been built over longer periods of time. And I've been through a certain type of experience up here and in the few years leading up to getting up here that it's left me a little, um, it's left me a little leery of just going out and just trusting mm-hmm. anybody. So mm-hmm. if I, you know, having, knowing that I've got someone that I can talk to that is, is going to understand like different things that I might be dealing with because they've dealt with similar things. I think that really helps mm-hmm. because that way I can get a different perspective and I'm not just looking through my own tunnel vision and either being super angry or super like, let me just shut down. You know what I mean? So I think the right. community aspect yeah. is really important. I agree with that. I'm going to back up just for a few minutes because I know a couple of you guys mentioned the mental and emotional ramifications of being a strong Black woman. So I'm going to talk about that, that a little bit with both Jasmine and Taithia. 
Yeah, sure. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Do you mean like how has it affected me as? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I feel like it really has affected my mental health in the past where it's just like I mentioned earlier, I just wouldn't speak up for myself a lot of the times. And, mm-hmm. you know, holding a lot of stuff in is, is a trigger to my depression because I still have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder. And over the years, I found out like when I hold stuff in all the time, you know, it's more prone to me being suicidal if I don't talk to somebody about it or if mm-hmm. I don't express my emotions to somebody. And if I can't be allowed to say, well, this hurt me, you did this to me. And I just feel like with me thinking that I had to be strong all the time by being silent and just taking everything, I feel like in a way it almost killed me yeah. just by like not able to express myself. Yeah, I definitely think that trying to live up to that stereotype, you know, means yeah. not asking for help when you need it, not not resting when you need it, mm-hmm. taking on more than you should. It means, you know, staying in relationships when you should leave. Mm-hmm. It means yeah. being involved in toxic friendships yes. when you shouldn't be. So if you think about all of those things, like without mental health, there's no help. So if you're, if you're, yeah, if you're doing all of those things because you're trying to live up to the stereotype of being strong, Mm -hmm. how can you be mentally healthy? I I look back on the strong, you know, and I'm using quotation, the strong women in my life as a child. And I'm realizing now as a mental health professional and as a life coach and as a counselor, they were depressed. Mm. You know, They, they, they actually probably should have, you know, been on medication, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that I saw, but nobody talked about it. Everybody said, okay, this is how, this is just how it is. This is just life. And even bring it into this, like we're talking about the mental health side of it, but you had asked me about, you know, the church and how religion kind of plays into that. I remember having a situation where the pastor had an affair and we had a meeting and, and everybody came to the meeting and we were all saying, you know, is his wife going to come? And this woman came into the church and she sat in the back of the building and she turned her back to us. So that means we're faced into the front and she's facing to the back. Mm-hmm. And just think about wow. the mental place that she was in, but she was still there with him. And she came back every Sunday. Wow. But just that picture of her with her back to everyone that tells you where she was mentally. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and the church expected her to be there. They expected her to stay with him. Even though the Bible says that if your husband cheats on you, you are released from that marriage. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? But (laughs) I guarantee you, they quoted her. I'll give you any more than you can bear. And he'll bring you through. I guarantee. (laughs) Neither one of those things are even in there, by the way. Just so. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in the Bible. Exactly. It's not in the Bible, but we use it. We've been using all our little, we've been making up our own little memes and old little little placards and posters. Exactly. We go by that. And this is. And this is even, you know, this is from me. You know, I'm I'm a minister. I love God and I and I, you know, want people to 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 come to him, but we have to be real. I remember taking a young woman to the church. Her husband was beating her. I actually saw him throw a VCR in her face. Okay, you know, this was this was old, old school because it was a VCR, but you you know how heavy those things are, right? Yeah. Right. And I took her to the pastor and said, This is what she's going through. What, what can you, you know, what advice? Well, 
you know, the Bible says, Lord, have mercy. And I, I, I'm sitting there looking like, what? Are you serious? So I just say that to say that I don't believe the church has helped. I don't believe no, the church has helped at all. The church I mean, has harmed us in a lot yes, of ways. Yeah. I agree. I just, I just feel like because, you know, sometimes, no, I say a, a lot because I, I'm an advocate for mental health that you just can't pray away mental illness. And I even like wore a t-shirt one day that said, no, I can't pray away my mental illness. And there was this lady that I was associating with at the time who's like really deep in the church. I remember the day after I posted that picture, she woke me up at seven o'clock in the morning, I I believe. It was either six or seven o'clock in the morning with like seven or eight back-to-back text messages telling me how wrong I was. Oh my. Yeah, telling me that I'm saying that Jesus can't heal anybody, that my shirt is wrong. And I'm just like, I'm just, at this point, I was just kind of like floored because she knew me and she knows that I I have a church home. Mm -hmm. She knows that I pray. She knows Mm -hmm. that I love God, but Mm -hmm. God gave us the resources in this earth for a reason. And the church keeps thinking that if you just pray and you just lay hands on somebody, that's just going to make their depression, their mental illness go away. And that, no, that doesn't work for everybody. It it, it doesn't. And you know, I I just, I'm sorry, Jasmine, go ahead. This is so good. I just wanted to (laughs) throw one thing in there. (laughs) No, that's okay. But I just feel like, you know, I've, I've seen um, some people in the church say, well, you know, I, I prayed about my my depression and, and it just went away. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, do, do you know if you were actually clini- clinically depressed? Or I'm just like, some right. people say that they're depressed and they haven't even been evaluated. So they just mm-hmm. feel like, well, okay, right. I'm cured. So that means, well, you're cured too. It doesn't, it doesn't work it like that. Right, right. And like, that's and what I'm say. Yeah, exactly. As a, you know, as a minister, I know that you know, you have to look at the big picture. You can't just, it's a whole lot of different things, you know, that you have to consider. There are some people who have imbalances and, you know, chemical things are off, you know, praying, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Jesus can heal, but Mm -hmm. they may need some medication. It it may be something different. Sometimes there are some spiritual things going on. I have personally prayed for someone because I recognize a spiritual connection to their depression mm-hmm. because those do exist. I'm not going to get into that because that's not our topic, but those do exist. And I have prayed for them and they have been released from that. Mm-hmm. But like Jasmine said, it does not work for everyone because Absolutely. we're all different. Yes. That's Absolutely. just like, you know, I can have cancer. Thank God I don't, you know, and one of you guys could have it and somebody can lay hands on us and one of us gets healed mm-hmm. and one don't. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's it's a whole lot of things that go into that, and I think that it's a mistake for anyone within the church to tell someone, you know, like Jasmine, you're wrong or you do. Because listen, Jesus can heal you, but like Jasmine said, He also gives us resources. If that was the case, why do we even need doctors? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, this is so funny because yeah. this is exactly one of the things that Shirley and I were talking about last week. We were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, we we're all we all follow God, we all love God, and I have definitely prayed my way through a lot of life circumstances over the mm-hmm. years. Um, that doesn't yeah. mean that when I had a severe UTI, I didn't go to the doctor. That's not what that exactly. means because that's, exactly. a doctor has gifts and talents and, and strength and, and, and um, knowledge that was given to him, that, you know, skills that he yes. trained for. And that's yeah. something that what, whatever your occupation is, you're getting through it and you're learning and you're growing and you're becoming good at it. 
that's through the grace of God. God allowed you to be able to know these things and be well and do really well at your occupation. Why does that not include doctors? Right. Why does that not include mental health professionals? Why does that not include exactly. people who would prescribe um, medications for clinically for clinical depression? It's it's just funny how we overlook all right. of that when it comes to something like that. But we're mm-hmm. not going to overlook that if our leg is broken. You're going to go straight to the doctor, right? You're going to call nine one one. Exactly. It's not going to be exactly. a, oh, I don't believe. I, I mean, this, if I call nine one one, it doesn't. It means I don't believe in God. That's that's ridiculous. So we have to really Absolutely. get rid of the whole stigma of we can't go see a doctor. We can't go see a therapist when we are really, really struggling and suffering. Really sick. And, and yeah. just even using the UTI as an example, like a lot of us, you know, may have chronic UTIs because of lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. So if we were to go to church and they lay hands on us and we get healed, and then two weeks later, we're doing the same thing, we end up back in the same place. We're sick again, right? right? Mm-hmm. But if we actually right. go to the doctor and we find out and we get educated and we say, OK, he said that I'm doing this. I'm not drinking enough water. I'm not doing whatever. This is why I continue to get sick. The same thing is true for mental health. Yes, God can heal you, but it may be some things that you're doing that's causing you Absolutely. to be depressed. Maybe you're missing your medication. Maybe it's a situational yep. thing. So if Absolutely. you go to the doctor, you can get educated. And God is sitting there saying, you know what? I can heal you, but you're just going to be back in the same situation two months from well, now. Make, why don't you use this continue the same behavior? Right, because you're doing the same behavior. So why don't you use this resource and actually go and get educated so you can change your behavior and you can actually walk into healing because healing doesn't always mean laying on of hands only it can be a combination of things including being educated about what you need all of that leads to healing. that might be the way that god is healing you by by getting you to see that you need to get in the car and go to the doctor (laughs) absolutely it doesn't always mean that somebody's going to be laying hands on you Exactly. Right. Some miraculous way to get the healing that God has for you. Sometimes that's going to mean going to see a physician. Right. Yep. I Absolutely. think what y'all said was like really important because when I first started advocating, like I do have a pastor and he did pray for me in front of the church and everything. And, you know, I felt better for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, like maybe about six or seven months later, I felt depressed again. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, I yeah. feel like. Like um, when I first started advocating about stuff, some people just automatically think, oh, well, she's healed and she's cured. And this is why she's doing this to tell people, you know, they're going to be cured by Jesus. And it's just like it doesn't exactly work like that. It's like I know that I have a diagnosis and I might have this diagnosis the rest of my life. But it's how I take care of myself is where my healing comes from. I have to decide to keep seeing a therapist or I have to decide, do I need to take this medication or I have to decide about how my self-care is going to look because people don't understand, you know, mental health issues is different than a broken bone or, or something like that. It's just like, it can, it can come back it just sure like can. that, depending on your circumstances. Exactly. You say somebody, a, a yeah. death in the family, a traumatic exactly. experience. Triggered so, automatically. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I think people need to not just think about, Oh, well let's cure this. Let's see how we can treat this. So mm-hmm. you can't have your healing. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And I think the church as a whole, like the entire Christian community and, and other religions as well, need to partner with mental health professionals and come up with a solution on how we can better educate people yeah. on dangers of replacing 
air quotes, God with an actual physician, because sometimes God is going to use those people to give you the healing that he has for you. I think it's about uh, our, you know, in all our getting, we are to get wisdom, right? So I feel like Mm -hmm. we've spent a a tragic amount of time really not getting the wisdom that we were expected to go get. And Mm -hmm. because of that, we, like you said, we aren't partnering with people who have trained in these fields and we aren't validating people's experiences and we aren't giving people the, the, the support that they need to go and see someone, to talk to them or get diagnosed. And that's, yeah. that's on us. That's on us as, as a, you know, the church, not, not utilizing wisdom at all, not getting wisdom, because if we had really been getting that wisdom, we would have already been doing this. And so many of us would already be better for it, especially women. Yeah. 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 And, and another thing too, I remember, you know, feeling when I was told, you know, by these various people, you know, God can heal you. God doesn't want you to be depressed and he doesn't, you know. Imagine that if somebody's telling you that and you cannot achieve that. What does mm-hmm. that tell them? What does that do to a young mind? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Especially, especially, yes. exactly. especially exactly. when you're talking about young women, you know, mm-hmm. young people who have not had the, the time to spend with God and they mm-hmm. don't have that one-on-one. New babes in Christ. Because that, yeah, that was me. And I remember, oh my God. And, and let me just, to my brother committed suicide. So that's a whole nother story, but. You know, I've dealt with what it what happens when mental health is not checked. Yeah. You know, I've lost yeah. I've lost someone to suicide. But I remember saying, oh, my God, like God must not love me because I'm asking him to help me. And I'm still feeling this way. But they're saying that I shouldn't. So it must be something wrong with right. me. And that is dangerous so because it do, it's not true. And it has nothing to do with right. God. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I felt that way before, too, because yeah. it. it Especially when people have told me in the past, you should just pray. And I'm like, I have been right. praying. You don't know how yeah. much I've already right. prayed. You don't know my relationship with God. So it's like when some people yeah. say stuff like that, it makes you think, well, well does God really love me? What am I doing exactly. wrong? Like, mm-hmm. So it doesn't and, have anything to do with God. And Jasmine, I just want to say this to you. You know, I'm not going to get off subject, but I just want to say this. For me personally, there there are some strongholds sometimes that, you know, will prevent you even when you're praying and you're, and you're, you know, you're doing everything that you think is right. There are some strongholds that may be there that's keeping you from getting the breakthrough that you need, even when you're taking the medication and you're going to therapy. But my problem with the church that they don't teach that. This is why I do my ministry, you know, totally different than a lot of people do. Like I talk about stuff like that. I talk about strongholds and and soul ties and generational Mm -hmm. curses, because listen, how are you going to tell me I should be praying? And if I pray, you know, that's going to break free. But you haven't even told me to go back and look at my history, go back and look at my auntie who also right. was depressed and who had all of these mental disorders and see if there's a generational curse just, in the family. Yeah, I was just about to say that. that. Generational curse. Yes. They not teach that. They, they skip a whole part of it when they tell you, oh, you should be free if you're praying. But you didn't even teach me warfare. You didn't even teach me how to get free. Girl, you better right. preach in here. Wow. Because again, like (laughs) really like kind of tagging along with what Daithia just said, we have talked at length about generational traumas 
as black mm-hmm. women, the things that we have, have suffered personally, Ooh. but also our mothers, mm-hmm. our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, yes. you really yes. think yes. that that stuff doesn't carry? It is already, there have already been scientific Ooh. studies that show. Generation to generation? Yeah, there have already yes, been scientific exactly. studies that show that, in, that your yes. DNA is affected by that mess. I just talked mm-hmm. about that on my podcast. Holocaust survivors, yes. they have that trauma in their, DNA. in their DNA. So imagine. So how what we have imagine. Exactly. So how is it? It's actually maybe even surprising that we're not all clinically depressed, given the stuff exactly. that we've been through, <laughs> and given the fact that we haven't been given, we haven't really sought um, or been taught how to seek out the wisdom to really get. The freedom that we need right. because that's, mental that's exactly health. What I'm saying, uh, right. yep. uh, going to see a therapist is bad, and going and getting medication is exactly. bad. So this is like mm-hmm. we're yep. not just talking about oh well, just Jasmine individually. Well, she's got these problems, and oh my gosh, what a mm-hmm. shame that she hasn't gotten free yet. No, no, no. It's about Jasmine and you and me and Shirley and how mm-hmm. we have exactly. in this year, yes. 2019, have still got mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. That we're that's impacting us yeah. from all the past centuries mm-hmm. of things that haven't been dealt mm-hmm. with. Yeah. I was just talking to my son the other day yeah. about how black people have also had a lot of things stolen from them, like a lot of things. I know mm-hmm. my right. family personally, we had a lot of things stolen from different generations of my family. You think that doesn't affect your mental health? You Absolutely. think um, injustices, yeah. seeing people get killed or oh people being gosh. killed by police yes. or anything like that and nothing mm-hmm. is ever done about it. The people that do it get off scot-free. Right. You think that doesn't do something to your mental health? And then when... It's yeah, carved in your psyche. Your psyche. psyche. Yes. And then everything mm-hmm. around you in the media and society and, and, and the dominant culture mm-hmm. is telling you, oh, well, you know, you need to just get over it because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to be, that's the only way we're going to appreciate you and respect you and, and call you a strong right. Black woman. Do you not know? I mean, yeah. that stuff does a number, a real number on you mentally and it emotionally does. and spiritually. Yeah. It absolutely does. I mean, when I think back, like me having two sons, Trayvon Martin's death was oh, very traumatic, was traumatic for me. It was very traumatic in my me household. Too. You know, it was traumatic for my son. So, you know, not only do we have to deal with the stuff, you know, from generations ago being taken from our land and, you know, all those things like that. But we also have to deal with the stuff in our mo- most recent recent past, you know, when we were children. But then also the stuff from two years ago or yep. one year ago, you know. <laughs> Even this, right. this year. Right. Yeah, this year. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. No, it's a lot to have to carry. And yeah. it's a lot to yeah. have to kind of unpack and process. And I really feel that that's one of the reasons why we can't possibly do this as individuals. We have to start doing it more together. Absolutely. As a collective. collective. Exactly. And you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of times when you have a lot of women together, because of that strong Black woman attitude, you, it can even put you at odds with your sister. I've been told, you know, uh, you're too strong. You know, the boss said that, you know, you can only have one queen be in the hive and all that, you know, mm-hmm. all that crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. I just think a lot of negatives come from that overall. I do think, like you said, Shirley, that we can change that. Absolutely. It's going to require, you know, what we're doing today, you mm-hmm. know, and and saying, you know what, I love God. You know, I definitely you know, um, am all for that. I'm a Christian to my core, but you may not mm-hmm. be able to find the answer in traditional church because for me, I didn't get free Jasmine because I, after my brother died, it was almost like suicide with a spirit in my family. Mm-hmm. 
and, and I do believe that that, you know, happens with mental illness and stuff too, but I didn't get free until I started, started studying on my own. And that's when I decided to become a minister because I found out so many things and I got free in my home by myself on my floor. Girl, my- that is my story. That is Praying my story. To God. Yeah. But you know what, Jasmine, I, I had to recognize the curses. And I had to say, okay, my aunt had this, my mom did this, and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. To see that, you know what? I, I have some work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I do have to take my medication, mm-hmm. but it's something else yeah. going on. But the point is that I did not learn that in church and I grew up I in church. I've okay. never heard anybody teach me that. Yes. I, I was, I've been saved since I was 16 years old. I am now 50 and I did not get my healing. I was not set free until I actually took a break from church. Okay. I got, I I got, (laughs) like, I'm so serious. Like I had to take a break from it because I had a similar experience where I was in, in an abusive relationship. And I mean, it was, it was horribly abusive and my pastor and I went to him and told him that this is what I'm, what I'm going through. And my life is in danger. My kids' lives are in, my kids' lives are in danger. And he, he looked at me and he said, sister, go home. Wow. Go home. And I'm telling you that I am on my knees, literally begging for my life. This man had a bed rail held up to my head and he's telling me he is going to kill me. And I'm literally on my knees begging for my life. And I'm telling this man this. And he said, sister, go home. Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah, that's he yeah. said, sister, go home. And so I didn't get I didn't get my healing. I didn't I wasn't set yeah. free until I actually took a break from the church and I had to get into communion with God myself. Exactly. Girl, I'm still on a break. I had to do that for myself. I'm still on a break. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually on a it's just so funny like that you guys have brought this up because I've been on a break from church too. And it's not so specifically because my church doesn't fully understand because they've let me speak about mental health issues in the church because they're trying to be more progressive and I appreciate, I appreciate that, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just like still certain things where I'm like I don't know if like exactly. everybody fully gets it yet and it's just like I need to have this relationship with God for myself right. yeah. for Absolutely. a little while Absolutely. I just need to take a break and it, and it doesn't mean that I'll never come back it's just right. like I need right. a break right now right yeah and I think I think that that's it's, it's like a, a sense of judgment. Like right. you feel even even when they are receptive and they allow you to speak and they they mm-hmm. listen, you can you still see it. a few people. You're still there. Yes. Yes. No. Exactly. I still feel that energy. Yes. Sometimes I I feel like a lot of people in my church are wonderful. So I don't want I don't want because one of them might hear this because I, I know like there's a lot of them who do support me. I don't want right. them to think that that there's not supportive people, but it's just sometimes I do feel like the side eye from somebody or the, you know, you can, you can feel feel when somebody's energy is off. Mm -hmm. You can feel that. I just had to step away for a little while. I just had to. Yeah. But the whole key is that we can never take a break from God when we're really here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to, you know, go to a church because the church is within us. Mm -hmm. Yes. We are the church. Amen. Yep. Oh, we y'all, we did that. (laughs) (laughs) We brought it all together. And I mean, it was so good. I mean, it was so, so so good. (laughs) These things are so important because we have allowed, the church included, people to silence us and sweep things under the rug because they don't want to be uncomfortable. 
But right. I say it's time to start making people uncomfortable. I say that yes. it's time for us to take our voices back and speak boldly and loudly and tell people what we are no longer going to tolerate in our lives. Yeah, yes. I'm with you. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. All My right. only question is when, is we, when are we going to do this again? <laughs> Look, this is awesome. <laughs> It was. I actually needed this today. I feel kind of free. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, listen, guys, now you guys have to come on the She's About Business show. Oh, you got to. Like, you got to sit for And y'all can come back anytime, anytime y'all want to. Whenever it's y'all, or if there's something in particular, it's an open door. Like, if there's something in particular that you guys feel like we need to address on this particular podcast, then yes, let's let's make it happen. We can do that. This was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for being yeah, here with us. This was amazing. Oh, yeah. this It's been so good. Any closing remarks for anybody before we get ready to sign off? Anybody? I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm just glad to have connected with you guys. And I would love for you guys to come on my show and we can, you know, have like a part two. Um, That'd be amazing. Yes, part yeah, two. Amazing. Just yes. invite and I definitely have been shouting you guys out on the show. So I, I want to invite everybody to listen to the She's About Business show also um, okay. on YouTube and, you know, all the podcast providers. Definitely. And again, I'm just I'm just really, really thrilled to have been a part of this conversation. Well, we loved having Thank you. Thank you. It was so good. I mean, y'all, y'all brought so much good perspective yes. to this conversation. Yes, much needed so we appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. And I just want to say that um, I feel like conversations like this are needed. We definitely need to keep the conversation going because we have a lot to unpack mm-hmm. to be able to heal from this. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, just, I'm just thankful that I was able to come on the show today. And um, I just want to remind people to um, download the Safe Place app on yes. Android and iPhone. Yes. Yes. Going in I'm today. Downloading mine today. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You got anything, Natty? I just want to say uh, just a huge thank you to both Jasmine and Daithia for, for joining us today. This was, I really enjoy these weekly conversations now. They're very enriching for me, but I'm, you know, I'm very much about, like we were saying, having, forming these collectives and getting ourselves, um, getting ourselves the, the, the freedom and the feeling that we all need and doing it together because um, yeah. as a unit, we yeah. can be so much stronger anyway. And I feel Ooh, like yes, there, there are yes. systems in place to keep that from happening, but we're going to make it happen. Yeah. We're crossing the boundaries, yes. honey. <laughs> yes. All right, ladies. It has been such an amazing time. We are going to get ready to get out of here. Again, for our listeners, please tell us what you think about the topic today. Follow us on all social media platforms at Shades of Strong. If you don't want to tweet us or comment on a post, you can also go to the website at shadesofstrong.com and leave us a voice message. And if you're comfortable with it, we may air your message on one of our shows. All right, guys, we are out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Keep it 100. Breaking the mold, discussing the cold, talking about this.